Hey everyone, you're listening to The Talent Revolution, where we believe that focusing on quality over volume and being different, not better, is the right way to hire the best humans and build stronger teams. To help you do this, I go behind the scenes with forward-thinking recruiters, employer brand experts, and people leaders making a huge difference to their organizations. I'm your host, Tom Hackwell, and in today's episode, I'll be speaking with Ed Ross, Senior Talent Acquisition Manager for Tech at Skyscanner. Ed studied history and philosophy at Cardiff before breaking into the recruitment world as a lead recruiter at S3 back in 2004. He left in 2006 to establish his own recruitment consultancy business called ClearCube Consulting, where he helped clients like Amazon, Sky, Expedia, Moo, Tesco, and so on, recruit exceptional technology talent, where he also pioneered a number of innovations in the candidate experience space. He moved in-house with Skyscanner in 2018, and since then he's led a global team of recruiters focused on hiring for their engineering org. We've got loads of ground to cover today, and I'm excited to dig into the details of all things candidate experience, engineering, recruitment, and so on. Ed, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Tom. Let's get right into the detail, right? As I said in the intro, we've got loads to cover and excited to kind of go quite deep into some of these things with you in a little bit. I think before we do that, always good to kind of step back and understand more about how you got into the space and sort of what your career journey has been like to date. So let's start there. How did you get into HR in the first place? Well, I think the, everybody in recruitment will tell you they fell into it, and I'm, I'm not much different. I, I came back from travelling, wanted to earn enough money to go travelling as soon as possible again, and somebody gave me a hint that recruitment was the space to do that, and it, it took me 10 years to go again, but I did, I did do it. But falling into recruitment initially, I think when people you know, go into the agency space, particularly back in the sort of early 2000s when, when I started, it was a tough job and, and lots of people didn't, didn't quite, quite make it. And there were certainly elements that I didn't enjoy, but actually I could see enough of the, the good things, the, the fun and exciting things of dealing with candidates, working with super cool businesses. And I really got a kick out of that. And so when I left and, and did it myself, it was where I really started building the enjoyment factor of picking the bits of recruitment that I really enjoyed and making my, I'm sure I was quite good at those bits. And building on that and leaving behind the stuff I was really awful at, like the real sales side of it and, and things that uh, I was never going to make a lot of money in. All makes sense. Like what prompted the move? So obviously you, you left S3 to set your own shop up, right? And obviously you kind of dug deep into a niche there. Like, was it a timing thing? Did you sense the opportunity? Kind of what drove that? S3 is such an awesome company and I, I don't think you, you could find another agency that spawns so many other companies organically sort of shooting off from it, people being trained really well in the fundamentals of, of running a good desk and getting a job done. I left there because I knew I wanted something different. I wasn't sure on, on that day necessarily what it was that I wanted. But, you know, I, I spoke to a few old candidates and a few old clients that I knew and, and sort of explored this idea. And really the, the crux of, of what I wanted to do was to focus on building a great experience. And at the time, I think I was thinking much more about client experience and, and, you know, they were having a hard time with agencies. This is, this is sort of pre LinkedIn and pre the sort of internet changing the way that recruitment was being done. And it was still quite, quite old school, very phone based and, and clients struggling to, to keep hold of how those channels of, of candidates were coming at them. And I think initially my focus was very much on, on creating a great client experience, which was based on trust and transparency and all those things that everybody now talks about. And actually, over the years, as I was working for myself, I realized that actually the, the crux of, of the matter was very much around candidate experience and 
if you got that right, the rest could kind of look after itself. I kind of completely get that, right? You went from S3 to, to do your own thing, and then obviously you've moved in-house with Skyscanner. What prompted that transition kind of back almost the other way, right? Talking about falling into stuff, that was also something I uh, completely did by accident. And Skyscanner were, were a client of mine. They'd actually, in, in the 18 months before I left ClearCube, they'd become our biggest client. And they were awesome. Like, I loved working with them. I loved the brand, the product. People are, are real fans of, of Skyscanner. It still surprises me how much passion they've got for it. But I, I was definitely one of those. And I exited to, to do something completely different. I, I wanted to build a product. I wanted to focus on enabling better candidate experience in the industry through, through tech. And um, I had a couple of ideas on that. And one day I'll, I'll still build that idea and, and get it done. But I got a call from Skyscanner and they, they asked me if I would go and help them out with a couple of things. And, and they were struggling to, to hire a certain type of engineer and, and get their recruitment teams working in the right way. And so I agreed to go just for, for 10 weeks, just as a sort of stopgap and was quite excited about getting some experience there. And uh, that was three and a bit years ago and uh, I'm, strugg- I'm struggling to, to do anything else now except work for them. Well, that, look, that's awesome. And I think let's kind of continue on this guy's kind of route, right? So like for people who don't know the business and the brand well, give us the background. Like, What's the founding story of the business? What do you do? We're about 20 years old. And the famous story is that, you know, three, three guys in Edinburgh went down to the pub. They were getting really frustrated with not being able to, you know, get transparency around uh, how to get to France for their skiing trip. And, and one of them was an engineer and built a little Excel spreadsheet for them and um, put that Excel spreadsheet online and it started scraping websites and and they just left it up there for free for other people to use and it got so much traction it built into a business which is, you know, over a thousand people and 10 global offices and we used in pre-COVID times at least by 100 million people around the world every month and we're really well known historically for for flight search, we're essentially a flight search engine and, and focused around meta search and things. And today, obviously, the, the app has, has grown and we're very much like a full travel experience, you know, around content and inspiration, you know, the pre-search stage. And then, and then after that, it's uh, very much about how we can control that traveler experience and make sure people have all of the information and, and belief that they've got what they need from their, their travel booking as, as possible all the way through to the end. We're a super tech-focused company. You know, over half the, the business is software engineering, and we've got uh, engineers in, in four main hubs around the world and five main hubs, actually, sorry. Yeah, we've got a, a really high bar of, of what we hire there. So we're generally competing for, for talent against the big tech companies that everybody knows about. Yeah, and that's not easy. To say the least, we have those same challenges. So kind of very familiar with the competitive nature of that that audience at the moment. I, I think you mentioned COVID and you, you sort of said pre-COVID a lot when you were talking. We can't kind of talk about a, well, the recruitment part of a travel or kind of aviation focused business, let's just say without talking about COVID. Like what's the impact of that been on, on your business, I guess, specifically through the lens of recruitment? Yeah, I mean, you can't hide away from the fact it was tough. There, there was no travel or there was much uh, more limited travel for, for the product to sell and use of the product. I think in many ways we, we've been so lucky at Skyscanner. You know, the business is built on traveller trust. And one of the reasons that I loved them so much, even before I came to work here, was 
they are one of the most customer obsessed companies I've ever known. And uh, I would put them in the same bracket as Amazon, who, who was also a, a big client of mine for, for many years. And I loved their business model. I loved their genuine obsession to please a customer over revenue. And that's something that, that Skyscanner do too. And, and much of our traffic has always been organic, repeat users, uh, people coming to us through, through organic searches and so on. And so we, we had a really good grounding there around people who loved the product and believed in where we sat and, and wanted to use us for trust and transparency and so on, which is something that's so important now, of course, in, in travel for people to get. From a TA perspective, it was tough, but it, actually there was things that weren't as tough as, as I thought. And I think one of the key things is that we were really well run as a business. We were you know, profitable for, for many years. We didn't, you know, we weren't one of these tech companies that was, you know, constantly living on, on other people's money and, and uh, investing every penny that we, we made. We, we were able to enter that period without making knee-jerk reactions. And I think the culture that we're quite well known for in the engineering world, so that's both culture around people, but culture around engineering and our engineering principles and the standards that we work to and the level of ownership that engineers have here meant that we still had a really good product to sell to candidates. You know, we were still talking about building a platform for huge scale and we were talk still talking about the way that we work and set up the teams and collaboration and autonomy was all, all still very much there. So coming into this year, we've, we've been building teams as fast as we can and we've been making a lot of hires and I think there's still a huge market for us too that, that people are super excited about coming to work here. I think I obviously have nothing better to do with my life than read Glassdoor reviews all day so I spent quite a lot of time reading your Glassdoor reviews prior to this conversation and that that message came through right everybody seems really keen on the quality of the tech and the quality of the engineering opportunity at the business, uh, irrelevant of anything else, irrelevant of outside market conditions or whatever. People are just excited about the problem that you guys are tackling and how you're tackling it, which I thought was really great to see because you don't often see that even in engineering-led organizations. Talking about your people team specifically, like what does that look like at Skyscanner? You know, how many people are there in the TA team? What's the structure of that team? What do you think you guys are really good at? TA is, is a squad. We talk about tribes and, and squads a lot at Skyscanner and, and we belong to the internal growth tribe. So all, all of the squads that contribute to the people and um, the people growth of Skyscanner as an organisation belong to that tribe and work really closely together. As a TA function within that, we're actually split into sort of four mini squads and we have a small team that focus on our senior leadership hiring we have an awesome little uh, TA ops team and, and they're focused on coordination and making sure those interview processes, which, you know, it's, it's very difficult if you get those wrong, they make those as smooth as possible and, and make sure things are ticking over really well. And they're also led by, by somebody here who's really focused around data and analytics and understanding whether we as a TA function are doing the right things and and growing in the right way ourselves to be able to support the business. And then we, we split the bulk of the, the recruiters into two teams. One is the engineering team, which is what I'm lucky enough to be involved in. And, and the other one is a team that's reflected directly into the, the non-engineering space. They look after all the other business areas like product, marketing, finance, uh, design, all of those areas. 
Sure. I mean, you talked a bit about that structure makes sense and love tribes and squads. And again, that came through in a lot of the reading I've done about you guys before. You talk about data and analytics and kind of trying to, as again, unsurprisingly, right, engineering heavy organization, you want data to kind of validate that you're actually making the difference that you're set out to make. What are you actually measuring? Like, what are those kind of key metrics that are driving your activity? Good question, because it's probably something I'm going to give you a little bit of a vague answer about. But data is so important at Skyscanner, and, and it's, that's really driven out of the engineering teams. They use data really well, direct user data that they can, can experiment with. Like A-B testing is so standard here. Everybody's got three or four A-B tests running at one time across the business. So we try to take that mentality and apply it to TA. But what we, what we haven't done and what we steer away from massively is just adding KPIs. Like our recruiters do not have KPIs. They don't have a time to hire target that they have to work to. They don't get judged on how many placements they get. They have to make. But what we do do is drive a lot of ownership onto the recruiter. So they own huge funnels of work. They own those big relationships with their big stakeholders. Whoever that might, might be, they have access to everybody in the company without having to check whether they can speak to them or anything like that. So we remove all of those barriers for them to go and enjoy doing what they do best with some good systems underneath them. And then we we understand the data so that they can get better at that. So we sit down with them and understand their, their good sources of candidates and the speed and the bottlenecks that people are moving through those. We understand why their offer acceptance ratios might be lower or higher. We understand the feedback that comes directly from candidates and, and stakeholders. And we just work those back into development plans and we work those back into like ongoing conversations about how to iterate on that. So we have access to a load of data, but we don't measure anything in terms of KPI. We use them individually depending on, on which funnel that person is owning and where we see those bottlenecks or improvement areas. No, to be honest, I mean, that that might be a bit contrarian versus the normal stuff we hear, but it makes a lot of sense, right? And I guess I always worry sometimes with KPIs that they kind of promote the wrong behavior. There's always these sort of somewhat negative second order impacts where people chase KPI attainment rather than like the actual underlying goal of the business. And so leveraging data in support of that, I think is really nice without driving like a single monolithic figure. Stepping back a second, so you talked before about your background in the agency space, both S3 and then sort of in your own kind of, I guess, more boutique shop. How does that split look at Skyscanner now? Like how obviously that you have an in-house team, but is all of the recruitment done in-house? Are you still leveraging agencies? Sort of what does that balance look like? Yeah, we still leverage agencies and as much as I wanted them to make me look good when I left, the, the agency I used to run are still doing a great job and probably probably better than ever. But uh, and, and they've still got a great relationship with us. Um, the, I'm a bit, probably a bit controversial to, to some other people in TA where I say agencies have a, have a genuine place, I think, in recruitment for, for the foreseeable. Like, when you look for something that's difficult to find and you're working for a high-growth business, it's, I think it's relatively naive sometimes to assume that you can do 100% of that in-house. Now, perhaps you can, but, you know, obviously you've got to grow your team to the right size and scale. You've got to get the patience that you need from, from the business if you're not going to be able to turn it around quickly. So we, we definitely use agencies and, and I've always been a big fan of using less agencies to a really high level. Like we try and include our agencies in a, in a lot of meetings. We give them really good access to information. They 
we're very patient with them. You know, once we take an agency on, we give them plenty of time to to build up their knowledge bank of, of what Skyscan is about and how to work with candidates to give them the best chance of success. So we, we have a small group that we work with that are, are really successful and um, add a lot of value to us. Interested in kind of picking that apart. Hey, obviously, your your opinion is perhaps slightly different to a lot of in-house folks, obviously advocating for a predominantly direct approach. Two questions, I guess, right? How much of that do you think is a derivative of the fact that you come from the agency background? Question one. And then second question straight after that will be, when you are looking for it, because I, by the way, completely agree that the agencies definitely have a place, especially in an environment of high growth. What are you looking for in your agency partners? You know, what sets someone apart when they're pitching for a book of work from you? Yeah, so I think to, to answer the first one, yeah, there, I'm sure there is. You know, I, it's not that long ago since I was agency-minded. But even, even when I was agency-minded, I had a small number of clients. You know, I did the reverse. I had a small number of clients. They all hired the same thing. They all hired exactly the same thing. So, so as an agency, as a group of recruiters, we only searched for pretty much one thing. And we multiplied the impact of finding a single candidate so we're able to scale the effect of finding one good candidate that would work for our client group. And I think that almost works in the reverse. So to answer the second part of your question, when I look at an agency, I don't want to give them something that they then have to go off and, and do from scratch. If they're not already searching for the thing that we look for, it's going to be really difficult for them to provide us the level of service that we, we need from our agencies and that we're already getting from, from others. So if you take if you take my you mentioned a few of my old clients there people like Sky, Amazon, Power, Betfair, Expedia, Skyscanner, all these companies they essentially look for the same type of software engineer. So if I'm then saying to somebody who's used to hiring FX people or you know just data scientists and, and ask them to go and hire a Skyscanner software engineer, they have to do that from scratch. They have to learn that process. They have to find the time around the work they're already doing. And I think that's where you a lot of agencies immediately hit problems is trying to take on something and add the workload to themselves rather than just keep doing what they already do and add giving the value to somebody new. That makes so much sense. And I think in that context, it's kind of irrefutable that an agency could add a load of value really quickly, right? But I guess it's just that level of specialist experience and the, the pool of candidates that sit underneath them. Final question before we get into the detailed stuff, right? So D and I, right? Diversity, equality, inclusion, et cetera, is high on everyone's agenda right now. Just interested in understanding what your approach to that is at Skyscanner. Yeah, so that's interesting. I've said we don't have KPIs. I mean, we that is one area that as as a TA team we've worked with. In fact, it's it's an ongoing project now to to really analyze where we're at and to make sure we've got the right things to set up to allow us to make progress there. We do okay, like we, we aren't bad at that, but um, we want to do so much better and we're, we're so excited about some of the, the projects we've got lined up. So, you know, up and down the seniority level, there's ideas about how we can improve things. And, and for me, that always starts at home. Like you have to make sure that the company is set up in the right ways to support anybody you bring in, whether it's, you know, you're talking about gender diversity or race diversity or whatever it is. We have somebody in the business that leads on our race at Skyscanner. We have somebody who leads on DNI, so we work really closely with those. We work really closely with our HRBPs, and actually they've been doing a really amazing job, for instance, at setting up internal groups and things that we're, we're working on. 
And then as a TA team, obviously, we can leverage some of the stories and, and some of the elements that people are going to be interested in, in in what we're doing internally through those groups, through those people to give them reason to come. Oh, that's awesome. I, I think it's a hard question to answer, right? And we ask these same questions to everybody and everybody still views this very much as like an aspirational thing. So it's great that you've kind of got boots on the ground, really moving the needle on that front. To start to dig in to some of the things we've really got you here for, right? So so candidate experience on the one hand, and I guess on the other hand, engineering focused recruitment, because there's so many things we can dig into there. Um, when we spoke in the past on the candidate experience front, you've talked a lot about the stuff you did at ClearCube and really kind of repositioning the notion of what conventional job description or spec or ad look like. I'd love you to kind of just share what you did and what you learned on that journey. Sure. So this, this really stemmed from, you know, the, first, the thing that came first was this obsession with, with Amazon. So they became a client. They were very difficult to hire for. This is when Amazon really started building their London-based teams and decided that London was going to be a key area for them for, for engineering. And I remember going to a meeting and listening to what they wanted with about 15 other recruitment agencies and thinking, oh, God, there's, there's so many people here. And I think after six months, and we were like the last ones that had the patience to work with them and to still be sending candidates over. And it was, we just couldn't quite get what they were looking for. And as soon as the penny dropped, we realized that we could spin this up. And it was much less about looking for a specific type of person. And it's like a needle and haystack thing and much, much more about making sure that when you do find a person that fits the Amazon mold, that you provide them with the right information, that they understand the experience they're about to go through from an interview perspective and the experience that they'll go through in that, particularly in that first six months at Amazon, where a lot of the London tech companies at the time were, were really different to them culture-wise. And then from that, I sort of took that model that Amazon have got, that flywheel effect that I've spoken to, to about elsewhere and, and apply, try to apply that in recruitment. And the thing that's at the centre of Amazon's flywheel is this customer obsession. And I was already in the place personally where I was obsessed with candidate experience and how to improve this thing and, and absolutely naming it. I looked at the process we were putting candidates through as an agency and we were bringing them in and we would send them an email with like six Word docs attached to it. And each of these Word docs was a job spec that they were supposed to read through and just tell us if they were interested. And it was so boring for them. It was just like a list of skills and it would talk about Java and Java frameworks and databases. And that nobody was interested in that. And what they were interested in was, you know, what the difference between the jobs were, what, what the culture and the leadership teams and the mission and the where the office was or the dress code or whatever it was, all of those details that you make career decision on isn't the stuff that's in the job spec, isn't the, the specific tools that you might use on day one. And so I vowed one day to never send a job spec to a candidate again and had to keep doing it for a few months. But we built, we essentially built this, this little basic system to replace job descriptions and um, once it was built the idea was that somebody would come to us we'd talk about eight to ten jobs that they were qualified to do you know these different companies that would would offer them the type of thing they're looking for we would send them a text and an email to log into their personalized dashboard and on their dashboard they would see amazon and skyscanner and sky and whoever else it was and they would click into that and it was a one pager and we were able to make you know knock up a one page website effectively for each job we were hiring and the first three quarters of that page would talk about the company culture and 
the problems they're solving and the people that they would solve them with. And it would really give them a flavour of what life was like there and why they would, would or wouldn't choose that place to go and work. And then right down the bottom was this, what you'll tell your friends you do and how you do it. So we took the job spec and summarised it in a couple of lines and gave them that idea of, you know, if you went down to the pub on a Saturday with your friends and they said, what's your new job? That's the kind of language you would use. And you, people were able to relate to it. And what we found is, you know, the, the impact was massive for us. It, it completely changed the way we worked as an agency. It changed the way clients saw us and candidates saw us. And, it, you know, when you talk about data points and, and things like that, the, the key piece of data that we found was actually people opted out. You know, people were opting out much quicker on jobs and saying, if I'd found that out, you know, at offer stage, I would have rejected the offer. And now I don't need to go through the interview process to get to that stage. And what we found is candidates would commit more because they had that level of information, that depth of information from the very beginning. They would commit to a smaller number of interview processes that were more relevant and they would just stick to those and they would get a job out of it. And it meant less interview time for them, less interview time for our clients, a simpler process for us and a much higher success ratio. And that really gave me that impetus that information in the in the recruitment cycle is is king. It's really what is allowing people to make decisions and good decisions and save themselves time. There's so many great things about that, and I guess what I'd say is that that, that approach and that mindset still seems super rare today. But at the time you were doing that, that's kind of even crazier than it would be to roll that out in today's kind of much more candidate bias market. What was the feedback from the organizations you were with? So you obviously talk about positive and candidates loved it. And, uh, you know, you're preemptively answering their questions, which is which is a no-brainer at this point. But, like, did you get any pushback from the, the organizations you were working with? And have you seen any of them implement that themselves now? It's a good question because we, we didn't really get pushback from it. All of the information, so we built the page and we would show the client. We'd let them know that we're doing it. But the information we would take was all the information that was readily available on the internet anyway. So there was nothing we were really putting out there without their permission that didn't, wasn't findable for a candidate. And actually what, you know, a large part of the problem we were solving was candidates are super busy, right? You know, they're, they're parents or they're, they've got a difficult job already and they don't want to spend three hours looking for the thing to prep on. They don't want to, you know, have to find that information. So we were just collating that and all of that research that they would have done, we were putting in one place. And when we showed this to our clients, some of them were like, mm, that's great, no problem, I uh, hope it works. Others got super competitive and this is where the key, the key thing was, you know, they were busy TA people or engineering managers or CTOs that wanted to have a better employer brand but didn't really know how to go out there and to find a platform to do it. And, and we were here saying, we'll do it for you. Just give us, give us some stuff. And we've already done 60% of the work. Do you want to make it better than this? And it was when clients started turning around and saying, hey, Ed, I think that's a great idea. Let's do a one-minute you know, problem statement video from the hiring manager to telling these people what it is they'll come in and, and fix for us. Or let's do a quick video around the office just to give them a little bit of perspective on it. And, you know, we used... Video interviewing is a big thing in agencies, and I was never really into it from a candidate perspective, but I did it with hiring managers, and I just did a little five-minute ditty with people saying, you know, what is it, the pro what's the problem they're going to come in to solve? What, how will they do it? Who are they going to work with? 
And that makes such a difference to a candidate, you know, up front before they've applied for the job to be able to see that kind of information. And the key thing was that I found is Amazon was a lovely thing to stoke the fire with some of these people. So I was like, look, you've got an opportunity here to be Amazon. You know, they're, they're not always the best brand out there for, from an employment perspective. Here's their page. This is what they're giving us. Do you want to go and be better than that? And that was really the, you know, the implied level that they wanted to jump over. There's just so many takeaways here that are super relevant, as I say, to even organizations just hiring direct in-house to right now, right? And what you've provided is like a really concise framework for things they can be doing to preemptively answer those questions. You've talked about the hiring manager interview type videos. You've talked about a bit of a profile on them. You've talked about when I love the sort of vernacular of like what you tell, what you'll tell your friends you do at the pub. Like it makes so much sense, right? It's the easiest way to frame the role. But I'm not seeing organizations do this day to day. I go on because I'm a cool guy. I spend lots of time on other people's career sites looking at how they frame their opportunities. And people just aren't doing this. I'm still seeing the key responsibilities and skills and requirements. Who is doing this really well? Like, Where can people that want to kind of productize what you're doing in their own employer brand and, and outreach, where can they go to be inspired by that, this sort of stuff? Well, one day when I bring myself to leave Skyscanner, Tom, I'll, I'll build that product for them. I think I agree with you. I think, you know, I'm always amazed that other agencies haven't done this. And, and I haven't been secret about it. You know, I, I've, I've told other people, I think one of the spaces that are trying to solve this problem a little bit is the marketplace space. You know, the, the hacker jobs, the hireds who are out there doing something slightly different, certainly from their agency model. And if you look at, you know, hacker, I know hacker job is just to use one example of released a brand by hacker job recently, which, you know, Mark, the CEO, I had a conversation with about how they were doing that. And I think that is the step in the right direction. I think he's taken this concept and he's gone and built something like that. So I, I think there are, but this is the problem that TA teams have. They're already stretched for capacity. They, they haven't got the impetus to do it. They haven't got the time to do it or the money to do it. And you have to do it for all of the platforms, you know. And one of the things that we did a couple of years ago at Skyscanner is to build a page. You know, we just got, we were working with a, a digital agency on, on something else at the time. And we just uh, asked them to build a one pager, which is what we, what we call the candidate prep site. So it's a non-indexed one pager for, for any engineering candidate that comes through the process to see a little bit more specific information around engineering culture, principles, Again, it's all stuff that's probably available on, online anyway, but it saves them that effort of having to research it and you're giving them that information up front to either say, hey, this isn't for you, you know, we, we might not be the right company for you, or if it is, this is why you'll be interested. And it goes all the way through, you know, talking about the people there, we've got videos up there, but at the bottom, we've got interview process for each and every role that we hire in engineering and how to prep for that interview. So straight away, up front, that transparency and user-first mentality is, is trying to get through there. And we just link that on every single email that goes to them, you know, booking interviews, requesting interview times. It's just constantly put in front of them, ready for them to use, but it's, it's not searchable for, for other people at the moment. No, that's great. I, I think you've talked about things like HackerJob and Hired, and you know, there's loads of platforms, and obviously those focus specifically on engineering hires. But I think everything you're saying applies equally to all sorts of roles. Obviously, some cohorts of uh, an audiences are more competitive than others, and this might be more applicable. But nevertheless, like if your goal is to offer a great candidate experience, irrelevant of segment, 
everything you're saying to me applies equally there. And so people should be listening to this and they should be trying to do these things themselves on their own career sites, in their own candidate experience, in their own outreach efforts. And there's so many takeaways there. So thank you for digging into that for us. I think that that's awesome. I want to talk about engineers. And, you know, we've talked about Hired and, and HackerJob and we're talking obviously with an undertone of engineering talent throughout here. But what we're seeing in the market now, yeah, and, and, you know, this is like a macro thing that's news to nobody, but more and more organizations are building engineering teams. More and more organizations are being forced to consider data and analytics in their decision-making where previously they weren't. More people are having to productize existing offerings through engineering. We all know that software is eating the world, yada, 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 right? But what we see is a lot of organizations really struggling to start building engineering teams or to attract engineers because they don't understand the difference perhaps in the the mindset or the the sort of process. Can you talk a little bit about, about that? You know, what do you see as the fundamental differences between recruiting? You know, you talked about you've got two teams focused on sort of, I'm going to call them operational hires and engineering hires. How do those two teams differ in terms of approach? Yeah, it's quite interesting, actually, because in, in the engineering side, we, we hire... A lot of people, we're probably doing the majority of hires at the moment, just in terms of where the business needs are. And what I would say is that the recruiters that I'm working with on the engineering side, although they have complete autonomy and complete ownership of of the areas they're hiring, they look very similar in their day-to-day actions, where on the on the business side of hiring, you know, when it's you're, you're talking about marketing, you have to do something tailored around marketing specifically. You have to do something tailored around design specifically, product specifically. So we're able, probably on the engineering side, to to tell engineering how we're going to hire in the Skyscanner way, where they have to deal, probably their stakeholder relationships, I would say, are probably really intrinsic and, and day-to-day, where ours is... is we have a lot more control, perhaps, over how we're able to apply that. I think at Skyscanner, we're quite lucky in the sense that we have a really clearly defined Skyscanner bar. Like We talk about it a lot. It's sometimes frustrating as a recruiter to have, have that bar where it is. But once you've been here a while, you, you see why it's there and, and how it's used. And what we're able to do as a business is completely trust the process. So interestingly... Most of our engineering hires won't meet an engineering manager until offer stage or afterwards. So we don't, we're not a, an organization that, oh, you're the hiring manager for this team, you better be on the interview process. We do that at a, at a really minimum level. And actually, the vast majority of the engineers will just go through our set interview process. And we know that culturally, they will be assessed to the right level. And technically, they will be assessed to the right level. And there's real consistency and there's real collaboration with interviewers and in how that works. So um, I think the, the key thing is when you're hiring engineers is to really understand and buy into what that bar is, first of all. You, you can't do anything until you can do that because what we then do is almost use that as a selling point. You know, the story of Skyscanner is to build at huge scale, is to build in a really user-first way. And um, the way we can demonstrate that best is to show these people that are coming through our process exactly how we're assessing them and, and the kind of things that the people that are already working here have had to jump through to, to get there. Sure. To the extent you're happy to share it, can, can you give me an example of like the process from start to finish of an engineering hire for you guys from like point of application through to offer? Sure. So we, we would generally do... You start with, with a, a good recruitment call, and I mean a good recruitment call in the sense that we spend a good half hour minimum with 
with candidates, making sure they understand what it is Skyscanner about, how we're set up, the level of ownership that they would be expected to have once they're in. They would do a mid, a senior level engineer would do a technical assessment. So like this is the only place where coding is, is done in the interview process. And we're almost at the place now where all candidates have a choice and they can either do a live coding assessment with, with an engineer where they, hey, here's a basic problem, do some coding, tell us how you would solve it in a bit of communication, or they get to do a take-home test. So whatever suits their lifestyle and, and their needs more, whatever they prefer to do. And then the first main stage is, a, is our first cultural interview paired with a depth of expertise. And then, and then the final stage would be a couple of sort of whiteboard design style um, sessions, which are based around real products that we have at Skyscanner, real solutions that we've had to build. And then we have a, a second culture interview as well. Cool. And so I appreciate, and I think, by the way, that's great that you're giving people the choice of like a, a live engineer kind of led call or a take home. But with the exception of that, like is the rest of the process like an on-site day with back-to-backs? Are you splitting that up over a long period of time? Like how is that structured? So it's, it's structured in, you know, the, the idea is that it's two stages and the first stage is two hours and the second stage is three hours. The reality is we're super flexible. Like our, this is why our ops team is so good. If somebody comes along and says, I want to do one interview for, for five days, Every day for five days, that's no problem. Somebody wants to do take a three-month break. Somebody At the moment, we're not doing any on-site interviews, but it used to be the case that if they were abroad and they didn't want to fly over for the interview, we would be absolutely fine for that. You know, And we, we would invite them if they got to offer stage then to come and see the office if they wanted. But we've always had a, a setup where the interviews are such that we, we're confident we don't need people in the room. You know, We don't feel that makes the difference. We're, we're very... We're very far down the road with competency-based interviewing. Every single interview at Skyscanner goes through a training session. They shadow to start with. They then shadow themselves. They have to be signed off as interviewers. So, no, you know, a hiring manager can't come along and say, hey, I'm, I'm going to grow my team and I'm, I'm just going to go and interview. It's got to, you, you've got to do one of the Skyscanner interviews. And all decisions are built around everybody agreeing on the final outcome. Sure. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. I think last question from me as we head to wrap up is, I'm interested in this selfishly just understanding this guy's kind of brand, but equally just in terms of helping other people position their own engineering recruitment, like what is the message that you're giving to engineers when they're, you know, you talked before about competing with a pool of talent against Fang and that sort of very difficult audience of very highly compensated, blah, 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 blah. What is the message you're giving that audience to get them to come work at Skyscanner? I think the, the key is, is to get that message out. I mean, there, there's, every company has a story and that story is unique. And, and from a TA perspective, you need to find the thread that's going to excite people. So whether, you know, for us, it's often about being user first or working at the scale that we do or being as global as a team that we are, you know, as, as international, the level of ownership, the level of autonomy that goes into, into engineering teams to be able to make decisions and build products end to end. Like that's something that the right kind of engineer gets excited about. I would say like my probably my one tip and the thing that I'm trying to drive most of all here is to, you know, I'm a big believer that TA teams should be an enablement function. Like there's too many companies out there that bottleneck hiring process by taking everything on themselves and controlling that, overly controlling that, um, that whole hiring process. 
the perfect solution, I think, to that is to create a company of hiring people. You know, whether they spend 1% of their time or 10% of their time helping to hire, that scales hiring to another level. And we have, we have amazing people here, like the engagement in TA is, is unbelievable to the point where sometimes I have to try and calm it down rather than get it going the other way. And we have people that go out and they, they blog and they do talks and they will speak to a candidate on Zoom for half an hour just to, to answer some questions. And I think if somebody's just starting that process, I think sometimes it's about getting the engineers to talk in engineering terms to them and learning what it is that's hitting the spot and, and building the story off that. Again, like super great takeaway there. And, and I think you sort of positioned it like you're lucky, but I think it's actually just to sign a great organizational design that you've got people engaged in the hiring process, right? As you said, HR and TA aren't gatekeepers, they're enablers and recruitment is more and more of a team sport now. And if your organization isn't thinking that way, I guess you've got to solve that problem first and foremost, right? But yeah, amazing. Thank you for articulating that so well. And thank you so much for your time today. I think we've all learned a huge amount about how to get recruitment right for an engineering audience. And there's a bunch of advice in there across both ends stuff and on the generic candidate experience piece that people can go away and should implement immediately. If you're interested in working with Ed and the amazing team at Skyscanner, check out their careers site at skyscanner.net slash jobs. Frankly, even if you're not interested in working at Skyscanner, you should go check their careers site out anyway, because it's a great example of a lot of Ed's advice put into the real world. And that just leaves me to say thanks, Ed. Really appreciate all of your time today. Thanks, Tom. Always good to hang out. Thank you. Cheers. Um, for more great tales from the trenches and best practice people guidance, please stay tuned to The Talent Revolution. We've got more great guests just like Ed coming every Tuesday. Go ahead and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening. Talk.